Now, in the sunrise, technically, you're getting really only red light in terms of the color spectrum. But I want to trick my brain via my eyes, which are part of your brain, incidentally, into thinking that uh, it's morning wherever I am. So these lights can really be used in, in many different ways. But I think that's something that's really important, too, if you live somewhere where there's just a lot of darkness that you can use artificial light to your advantage. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. All right, check it out. I love all of our show sponsors. Otherwise, I would not promote them. But I am really excited about this one, and that's super fat. These guys make certified keto, vegan, and paleo little fat packs and convenient on-the-go pouches that are super easy to travel with. One of the things that I struggle with is snacks, right? I'll be out on the road driving around L.A., uh, flying on planes, etc. I do quite a bit of travel, and I just do better on a high-fat diet. I'm not strictly keto, but I like to do sort of cyclical keto, right, where I come in and out of it. So during the day, I really just like to kind of eat fats, vegetables, and protein. Then at night, I'll eat some carbs here and there. But the problem is it's really hard to get healthy fats in a convenient way, and so I'll be stuck sort of like looking at protein bars and they're all full of sugar or a lot of the snack foods. Like I like beef jerky. There's some other good snacks. I don't really want to sit there and chew on leather all day though. You know what I'm saying? So I really am obsessed with these super fat uh, on the go pouches. There's only three to five net carbs per serving and super fat provides your body with a natural source of fuel without the crash. So it's like if you eat some crackers, some carbs, a really sugary protein bar, you're going to be hungry again. I have one of these little super fat pouches and I'm good to go forever. Uh, super fat has polyunsaturated fat, which is scientifically proven to alter the physiological markers of uh, being satiated and hungry. So what this means is when you get a healthy dose of fat, like these little packets contain, uh, along with protein and fiber, uh, I might add, it just fills you up unbelievably, especially for something really um, small like this. So fats also provide your body with fuel and improve the absorption of vitamins A, D, and E, and also K. Without fat, your body actually can't absorb these vitamins uh, that you'd get from some foods. So I'm just a super fan. I'm super stoked. I want you guys to get over to superfat.com. That's superfat.com. I just love the name too, right? Um, and the code there is Luke for 15% off. That's superfat.com. The code is Luke. I always say that nature is the ultimate biohack, and it most certainly is, but I'm also a big fan of technologies that harness the powers of nature and bring them into your home. So every morning for the past three years, I've been using a Jew for about uh, 10 to 15 minutes every morning, sometimes even twice a day. And I've seen a huge boost in my testosterone levels. I have way less pain and inflammation and my skin complexion at 49 currently at the time of this recording has never been clearer. So natural light from a juve supercharges the mitochondria in your cells so your body can make more energy. It's got all sorts of health benefits and they're all backed up by thousands of peer-reviewed clinical studies. 
The testosterone increase specifically has been one of the biggest wins for me. I've got higher T levels now than I did in my early 40s, which is super cool. And Juve is the number one red light brand therapy for a reason. Their devices are super dope looking. They're sleek. They're super powerful. They're FDA cleared. They come in uh, modular configuration so you can kind of build them as you go they have all sorts of different sizes you can put them anywhere uh, they're just freaking amazing and i'd also like to point out that newer research is also showing red light therapy is great for improving women's hormone health like thyroid regulation so if you're a woman and you're hearing this like i don't want more testosterone no you really do because this helps with cellulite it helps with skin blemishes and absolutely helps to balance your hormones so it's a win for all of the genders. It's freaking amazing. So I'd love for you guys to check it out. Get over to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com slash Luke. Once you're over there at juve.com forward slash Luke, you're going to see a special bonus the Juve team is giving away to all of my listeners. So use the code Luke at checkout. One last time, that's juve.com forward slash Luke and use the code Luke at checkout. Welcome to solo show number seven. This is episode 253 of the Lifestylist podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about biohacking, auto travel, how to make your car awesome, and also getting nature exposure when you're stuck or living in a cold environment, and also some of the personal vices that I am currently dealing with. All the questions on these solo shows, by the way, are taken from the Lifestylist podcast Facebook group. You can search for us on Facebook, request to join, post some questions there. And what will probably happen is the other brilliant 5,000 plus people in the group will answer your questions, if not as well, uh, in most cases better than I would because there are some great people in there. Uh, but what I like to do is go through there every couple months and just swoop up a bunch of the questions. And then I make my manuscripts for these episodes and will likely answer your question at some point. Although at this rate, I'm doing two of these solo shows per month. And generally, it takes me about an hour to answer three questions, which is crazy. I thought I'd be banging out like five, but I just, I make a manuscript for it. I really am quite thoughtful about the answers and provide as much value as I can uh, when I'm recording these. So I end up doing about three questions. It takes me an hour plus so it could take me a very long time to get through all of the questions in the group. And I encourage you to join and participate there because it's a great group of people. And also, you should keep in mind that this is not medical advice. You should always check with a medical professional before undertaking any alternative health practices. I'm just sharing my own personal experience and my current understanding of the topics covered which of course are going to change and evolve. I'll probably listen back to this in a year and be like, Luke, you dumbass you know better now. And that's how uh, science works, right? We're always making progress. So as of today, these are my answers to these great questions. And uh, Sunday, I'll be back at you with a special guest episode. That's a rebroadcast of my appearance on the Den Talks podcast. Really fun and deep podcast about uh, spirituality, meditation, etc. Then Tuesday, we're covering a topic that is one of the top topics on this show, and that's EMF. So it's called EMF Solutions, Harmonizing Your Home and Travel with Soma Vedic, which is a really cool device I recently discovered. And I sit down with their CEO and do a deep dive on all things EMFs. 
And of course, you know, we're always trying to approach that from a state of awareness rather than fear, which is a delicate balance. I tend to fall into the fear category a lot myself, especially now that I see, um, which one was it? T-Mobile has rolled out 5G all over LA, which is 600 uh, megahertz, the frequency, which is essentially like living in a microwave oven. Add to that the metal particulate in the air from the geoengineering spraying that's been quite heavy lately and you have um, an electrified environment which frankly is quite terrifying i mean if you're just objectively uh logical about it and pragmatic it's really not good but then again we're all going to check out eventually so you know enjoy your time while you're here and if you happen to live in a 5g city is what it is Uh, i've covered that in other episodes of course but uh, we're going to be talking about some great very practical solutions on Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss those. Got a couple upcoming events. I'll be speaking at Paleo FX April 24th through 26, 2020. I'll be appearing at Meet Delic in LA, May 2nd and 3rd. That's going to be a really fun event. It's all about the movement of psychedelics, plant medicines, clinically, shamanically. I'll be there with Dave Asprey and Chris Ryan and a bunch of amazing people that I can't wait to uh, hear and share the stage with. So if you want to come to my events, you can go to lukestore.com forward slash events. Uh, Before I jump into the first question, I'd also like to direct you to lukestore.com forward slash store. I know many of you realize this already, but if you're a new listener, you might not be as savvy. Most of the recommendations and products and services and things that are talked about on the show are not only represented in the show notes for each episode, as they will be for this very episode, But all of the products that I use in my personal life that I promote, that I recommend, uh, brands that I, you know, are my sponsors or I'm an affiliate for are all housed over at lukestory.com forward slash store. It's a really great opportunity for you to save time and not have to research every single health related or biohacking brand in the world. I've done the research for you to the best of my ability and anything and everything you find on there is in my opinion at this point in time. It's best in class. And there are some items on there that there are two different, you know, sort of competing brands because I think they're both great. Uh, So it saves you a lot of time. And there are also discount codes at lukestory.com forward slash store that are exclusive uh, to my site. And it's a great way for you to support brands that are really helping people and um, doing very conscious business. And it's also a wonderful way to support the work that I'm doing here on the podcast and all of the video content and various things that I'm producing uh, here in 2020. So it's a really great opportunity to have a three-way win. It's a menage a trois of success, I guess you could say, over at the store because all three parties benefit. And I like commerce where everyone wins. That's just how I like to roll. So thank you so much for your support over at the store. All right, let's jump into las preguntas. First, we've got uh, Alyssa. She wants to know, For those of us that drive a lot for work, what can we do about getting sun through the glass? Are there any hacks for getting full spectrum light? My answer to this question is multifaceted. First, I'd direct you to go listen to the two very deep dive episodes I did on light with one of our top guests and my friend and also founder of one of our sponsors, Raw Optics, Matt Maruka. Uh, His first episode, number 137, which was called Extreme Biohacking Millennial Edition, which, by the way, I figured out like two years later that he was not a millennial because he was like 18 at the time or something. 
I don't quite have those generational, uh, you know, categories down yet, but it was a good title. I think it was clickbait worthy because I got a lot of goddamn downloads on it. But he was my number one show for like two years. People loved number 137. And then he recently came back for number 234. So if you really want some of the science presented in a very accessible way, I highly recommend that you check out the Matt Maruka episodes. You can also follow him on Instagram. Uh, It's Raw Optics. And he's also on quite a few other podcasts as a guest now, too. He's kind of been on a tour. And so he's just a great guy to learn about light from and would definitely be a good guy to ask this question, um, too. But I'm going to do my best to answer it. On the subject of light, which I think is just one of the most overlooked elements of our health, everyone's talking about what goddamn vitamin to take. Meanwhile, nobody goes outside. It's like, dude, that's what's wrong with us. (laughs) Okay, we're domesticated. We live indoors like zoo animals. And so learning about light and the human interaction with light, not only in your eyes, but also on your skin is of critical importance, in my opinion. Um, You want to be vegan, you want to be paleo, carnivore. Go nuts. It's not going to help if you don't get outside. Honestly, that's my number one biohack. Get outdoors. All right. So where I was going with that is you can look forward to episode 278 coming up May 5th, 2020. Now, it's a little ways out at the time of this recording, but this is going to be the absolute, uh, you know, most expansive talk I've ever featured about light with Dr. Alexander Wunsch who's one of Matt Maruka's heroes and also someone Jack Cruz references a lot. And he's just on another level with the deep science of natural versus artificial light. And in that upcoming episode, as I said, 278 in May, Alexander breaks down like all of the light bulbs that we use, what happens when you're behind glass, the differences in the different, uh, the spectrum of light in terms of all of the colors of the rainbow and light and what they do and when they appear. And it's just, I mean, I, I was sitting there for two hours with him and I had, and I feel like I'm a pretty good listener and relatively intelligent and knowledgeable about these things, but I was sitting there like hanging on for dear life just to keep up with what uh, homie was dropping. So you can look forward to that one. And if you're one of the kind of, you know, not woo woo, more skeptical, analytical, scientific types. Cause I know there are, you know, I've got my hippie, like new age people that are just like, cool, I'll do whatever you say, even if there's no science. And then I get a lot of people like, what's the science? Let me see the study. So if you're one of the, let me see the studies guys or girls, uh, that episode is going to blow your freaking mind. In fact, I would highly recommend, I don't know, putting on one of those like 50s swimming caps or something just to keep your brains intact as your skull splits open. Okay, so here's my advice for Alyssa. Uh, I would recommend when you're driving your car, keep one window or the sunroof cracked to let in a little bit of natural light. You don't have to drive around in winter with all of the you know windows down. Uh, from what I understand, and this was clarified and um, backed up by Alexander Wunsch during the aforementioned interview with him, is that even if you're in your home or car and you let a little bit of natural light in, the light, the lumens created by sunlight are so powerful that they completely eclipse any indoor lighting by, uh, you know, uh, great levels of magnitude. So I don't even know if that's a word or a way to use that word, Um, but you know what I'm trying to get at. It kicks ass on indoor lighting. Let me just say it like that. Stop trying to sound like smarty pants. 
but it really does. So uh, when I drive my car, I typically, it's kind of sucks in my, I mean, I'm not complaining. I have a nice car. I love it. I'm very uh, fortunate, but uh, my sunroof doesn't open a little bit. It opens uh, all the way or none. So I often drive around with my sunroof open just to get natural light in my eyes. And if it happens to be cold, which is rare here in Los Angeles, but if I'm on a road trip uh, somewhere snowy and cold and higher altitude, et cetera, uh, I'll just keep, you know, the heat on in the car. Uh, and I'm going to talk a lot about just biohacking your car in general here. Cause as I started to answer this question, I was like, man, eh, let me give Alyssa and the crew more here because I've really worked on making auto travel healthier. So I'm going to give you everything I've got. Um, you, you maybe should donate to the podcast. This is going to be like a, a whole online course. No, I'm just kidding. You can have it for free. Just listen to the goddamn ads and buy something from one of my sponsors. That's all I ask. That's, that's how I keep this thing going. Um, so in all seriousness, the car situation as it pertains to light and cold weather is tricky because you don't want to freeze. But one thing I would definitely recommend is do not use your seat heaters in your car. I sometimes turn mine on just for a minute. If it, I get in my car and it's just freezing. I mean, it gets really cold here in the winter in LA. Sometimes it gets down to like 50 degrees. It's crazy. Those of you in South Dakota right now want to punch me, I know. But seriously, at night here, no, it might be, you know, 42, 45, 50. And when you're used to 80 degrees year round, um, that's cold. So I'll turn my heated seat on for just a minute to heat up the old bunskis, but then I turn it off because the EMF created by seat heaters is freaking nuts. If you get an EMF meter and put it in your car, I mean, my car is it's an EMF fucking nightmare. I'm just going to be honest. I, I went in there with meters one day and I was like, I just, I don't even want to know. It's so gnarly from the magnetic field created by the engine and all of the tracking. And I recently learned that some cars like mine, they have these little indicators when you're about to hit something with a bumper, right? That kind of thing. And I recently learned that that's radar. So my whole car is like outfitted with many radar detectors, which is like <laughs> really not good if you start researching radar. Anyway, I digress. Keep the window cracked to get some of that natural light. And that goes for your home as well. Uh, I, w I personally, you know, again, it's like I like to say, well, this is what I do and not tell you what to do. But I don't know. I get caught up on my words if I try to be too careful about that. My recommendation is to never wear sunglasses personally. I'll get into that in a moment, but uh, when you drive, when you're in the house, just try to get a little bit of natural light. And even if it's too cold or windy, like on the freeway, I find it annoying to drive around with the windows cracked because it's so loud and it just kind of kills my vibe. I like it quiet in there and I can listen to podcasts and music and things like that. So I'll open the windows just periodically to get some natural light into my eyes and then I close them back up. Here's the deal. All glass blocks UVB. You have like two main um, spectrums of light, UVB and UVA, ultraviolet B, ultraviolet A. And all glass blocks out UVB, which makes kind of an artificial light. It actually creates a non-native blue light, which is not good for your skin or your eyes. And incidentally, that's the same thing that sunscreen does. It creates an unnatural spectrum of light, which is why sunscreen is known to cause skin cancer. I know the irony, right? But it's just true. So um, there's really no such thing as natural lighting if you're indoors. You know, when you go look at an apartment or a house and, you know, the realtor tells you, oh, this place is great. It's, it's got so much natural light. Unless a window's open, nowhere has natural light. Glass is not natural. I love glass. Windows are awesome. I'm looking out my window right now into my 
uh, my little backyard here, and it's great, uh, but it's not natural light. So keep that in mind. And um, in terms of the sunscreen stuff, I might as well cover that. You know, a lot of people are concerned about getting sunspots on one side of their face or on your, you know, like your driving arm, your your left arm in, in the States. I guess if you're in the UK, it would be the other arm, but you don't get sun there anyway, so don't worry about it. Um, but what I prefer to do is use shade or clothing or even a hat to block myself from the sun. And if you insist on using sunscreen, you could keep some in your car and put it on, you know, the right side of your or left side of your face or left arm. Just make sure you get something that's a broad spectrum sunscreen that protects against UVA as well as UVB and get something that's non-toxic that doesn't have a bunch of endocrine disrupting chemicals and preservatives and things like that. Uh, I think on my site, the one that I have is by Beauty Counter, which is great. So you could check that out uh, as an option. But I think if you're someone that's sensitive to sun because you're fair skinned, there's ways around that other than wearing toxic um, sunscreen. And um, in terms of creating unnatural non-native blue light by blocking out half of the spectrum, the UVB, uh, sunglasses as well as prescription glasses and contacts also do that, unfortunately. So that's just like living behind glass. So I wear glasses for kind of for distance, right? I can drive safely during the day. At night, eh, I don't know. If you're ever in my car and I don't have my glasses on, I'm driving you around at night. Here's your warning. <laughs> Make me put those shits on. Although I normally do because I have my my raw optics prescription glasses uh, that Matt had made for me. So I, I do wear those at night because they, they kind of cut down on a certain spectrum of light. Uh, but I find that hats work great to block direct sun in your eyes when you're out and about. You know, if you wear contacts and you want to see, listen, I get it. I've never gone the contact route. I don't think I ever would though, because you're just permanently, or at least while you're wearing contacts, blocking out so much of that really healthy, natural spectrum of light. So I don't know, man, I wouldn't do it. I would go to glasses and then take them on and off. And there's ways to work on your sight. I've, I've yet to endeavor into this repair process, but there are definitely ways that you can improve your eyesight naturally. And it's something I want to commit to in 2020 because my eyes are still pretty good, but I don't want them to get worse. So here's the deal also in terms of being in your car. Uh, when you tint your windows, it reduces the amount of UVA that comes through it. And naturally, glass, as I said, uh, prevents UVB. So on average, 60 to 70% of UB, UVA still penetrates tinted glass. Now, sometimes glass is tinted to protect against UVA. For example, like sunglasses uh, are coated so they block UVA and UVB, some of them at least. Uh, the laminated glass of auto windshields like mine um, offer protection against UVA. Uh, personally, what I do is I have all of my windows. I guess there's one, two, four, six, yeah, eight windows. I have all of them tinted, even the front one. Now, I'm not advising that you do this because in the state of California, at least, it's definitely illegal to tint your front window. Mine is very subtly tinted so that you can't really tell. It doesn't make it any darker, but it definitely cuts down on some of the glare. And the way I look at it is very simple. I don't want to get too geeky here, but if I'm going to be inside my car and I'm already getting kind of a toxic non-native light coming through the glass while I'm in there, I want it as dark and cool as possible in there. I just find it like much more soothing to drive with all of the windows tinted. 
That said, it is also illegal in California to tint your front driver and passenger windows. I do it anyway. Every once in a while, knock on wood, I get pulled over and get a fix-it ticket. I have to go through this whole process of getting the tent removed, signing off on the ticket, which is only like 10 bucks. The tent's, I don't know, $70 to get it put on, 35 to get it taken off. I go through this whole thing. It happens every few years. So now I'm kind of like in this tent criminal mindset when I drive by law enforcement and I have the utmost respect for law enforcement. I just don't respect some of the laws, like a really dumb one. Like you can't tint your own fucking windows on your own car. Uh, What I do is I roll my windows down when I go by them. And that works pretty well. Something I did, which you definitely should not do, which I'm sure is highly illegal in some way a few years ago is, this is going back. I mean, now I don't think I would go through this trouble because I'm just a lot less ratchet in my uh, 49 years than I was some years ago. But I got a paper ticket from uh, a cop that pulled me over on the freeway. I think it was a, yeah, like a, a highway patrol. And I kept the ticket in my car and then made a copy of it, got it signed off, got the tent fixed. But then I kept the original ticket in my center console. And then the next time I got pulled over, which was in downtown LA by some bicycle cops, he's like, you know, and pulled me over. I'm like, yes, sir. What could possibly be the problem? He's like, dude, you got tinted windows. You know, I have to give you a ticket. And I pulled out the ticket that had already been paid and signed off on. I was like, oh man, I already got one. He's like, all right, we'll go take care of that. And I drove away with a smirk on my face that has never quite left. Just, you know, it's that teenage rebel in me likes to beat the man. But anyway, uh, I like tinting all the windows. And then, as I said, just cracking the windows to get some unfiltered light as I drive around so that I can get as much natural daylight as possible. Another thing that I do in my car is I set all of the interior lighting to amber. So there's minimal blue light blasting me in the face when I drive around at night. Now, as I said, when I'm driving at night, I usually have kind of blue limiting uh, prescription glasses on anyway, just so I can see with less strain. But it is nice that in some cars you can adjust the color temperature just to kind of make it more chill and less blue light heavy in there. Some other biohacks that I find useful in the car is... Uh, putting an air purifier in there. Because if you're driving around a city like LA that just has the gnarliest air ever and add to that the you know plane spraying from above, as mentioned earlier, uh, it's pretty nasty. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's like a trade-off between letting some natural light in, which is so good for you. And also just kind of keeps you alert and awake and just feels nice. I just love sun. That's one of the reasons I've stayed in LA for 30 years, even though there are many things about it I don't particularly um, enjoy. I do like me some sun. So every time you let the sun in, you let the dirty air in. So I have a mobile air purifier that plugs into the lighter. It's by Air Oasis. And I, I link to them in my um, online store. I think it's just an Amazon link. But people always ask. So I put it in there because they're, you know, that's the type of shit you have to go through and read all the reviews and like really geek out on. I'm the fool that will do that. Like I'll go on Amazon for hours and like find the best of the best of the best little air purifiers. What's cool about that one is you can actually um, take it on the road. Now I've not done this, but you could like, I mean, if you were totally psycho, you could take it on the plane and like plug it in and set it next to you. You could put it, um, you know, in a hotel room, uh, which would make a lot of sense because hotel rooms are so nasty um, germ-wise. But you could take it to your hotel room and like put it next to the bed and it works quite well. The Air Oasis, I think it was like a couple hundred bucks. Weird thing is, uh, for some reason, in California, you can't buy 
um, certain air purifiers on Amazon. They won't ship to California. So I think this one I had to like have my dad in Colorado order it. Don't, don't tell anyone at Amazon that I did this. Uh, and then he sent it to me. It has something to do with um, you can't buy ozone generating things here or something. I don't know. It's weird. Another thing I do to my car that's pretty cool. I learned this guy like 15 years ago from David Wolf. We were at a dinner in uh, Santa Monica at a raw food vegan place, which I would never eat now for a number of different reasons. But, um, you know, it's just fitting, right? Of course, as with David Wolf, we're eating some raw vegan food. I think since he's, he's stopped that and you know, added some ghee and stuff in there, which I'm sure has been great for him. But uh, anyway, we walk out of the restaurant and he's like, he, we were really into grounding. Like grounding was like the thing going back all these years ago. And he's like, dude, I grounded my car. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, sure enough. He has this thing called a uh, earth belt that's bolted to kind of the axle or the frame of the car and it drags on the ground. And what that does is it eliminates the, it's a, it's conductive, like a conductive piece of uh, rubber or graphite. Sometimes they have a little strip of uh, like copper wire in them and you drag it on the ground. And what it does is it dissipates the static charge that you build up inside and just around the whole vehicle, which adds to your overall EMF load as you're driving. And it's one of the things in air travel and auto travel, or I should say air and ground travel that gives you fatigue that actually wears you out because if you just think about how we how we've evolved we've not evolved to fly through space and time at 80 miles an hour 400 miles an hour whatever the case may be like humans just aren't meant to move like that and so i grounded my car now the car will only technically be grounded uh, when you're on concrete, dirt, or a wet surface, uh, there is one surface that we drive on a lot that is not conductive because it's made out of oil. Guess what that is? Ding, 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 ding. Anyone know? Uh, asphalt. Asphalt cannot be grounded because essentially it's like rubber, right? Uh, but it's still nice to just have your car grounded like that. I have the strap in my store. I think they're like 30 bucks. You have to have a mechanic put it on. They're going to look at you like you're nuts. I have one mechanic I've been going to. Shout out to Magic Touch on La Brea and um, where are they? La Brea and Pico. Uh, my boy Ruben, every year I come, you know, every or not every year, but like every time I get a new lease, I guess every three years, he's like, oh, you're doing that weird thing again? I'm like, yeah, I'm a hippie. What can I say? But uh, they installed this grounding strap under the car and it drags in there. What I noticed actually uh, in hindsight, looking back when I first discovered this ground strap thing for the car is that all of the buses in LA have this strap hanging off the back. And from what I understand, and don't quote me on this, do some research. If you find a better answer, please let me know. I'm always willing to update my information. But from what I understand is that it helps the, the gas mileage of these buses to be grounded because of the static electricity created by them driving around. Now, that's just what I heard. I can't verify that, but I've asked around for a few people or maybe Googled it, you know, asked Professor Google, and it seems to be that that's what the deal is. So there's something to these ground straps. You know, is it going to completely change your life? No, but is it worth 30 bucks and another 50 bucks to take it to your mechanic and have them look at you sideways? Probably. Another thing that is important to do is to turn off the Wi-Fi in your car. Now, my car, I didn't realize this for quite a while, but it has its own hotspot generated from the car. So essentially, it's got a Wi-Fi router inside it behind one of the panels or something, which I found uh, just to complete, be completely horrifying. So uh, I figured out how to turn that off in the on-dash menu, and now that's permanently off because like, who needs more Wi-Fi? 
Another thing you can do, and I, this is one of those things I'm like, do what I say, not what I do, because <laughs> I don't do this. But if you're sensitive to EMFs and you want to make your driving experience just healthier and less fatiguing, less hard on your biology is just keep your phone hardwired and turn off all your Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all of that stuff. But when you do that, apps like Apple CarPlay won't work. And I personally am totally addicted to Apple CarPlay now because if I put on music, you know, Spotify, a podcast, something like that, it just blasts through. It sees my Waze navigation shit, the whole thing. It's just super convenient to just hop in my car, put it on the charger. And, you know, then I have like a kind of an Apple interface on the little dash dealio. Um, so, you know, I don't do that, but I I think if, if you don't have like Apple CarPlay and there's no reason to have your phone connected by Bluetooth, then why do it? Like turn off as much radiation inside your car as possible, because God knows if you live in a somewhat or completely urban area, as I do, you're in a complete EMF soup all the time inside your car that's coming from outside. So why create more in that little Faraday cage trap called a car. Another thing I do to take the driving experience to the next level is I do some uh, EMF mitigation in there. I have two devices. I have a Blue Shield device that uh, plugs into the lighter and it just kind of stuffs between the seat and the center console. You never know it's there. It just stays plugged in, does its thing. I did an episode. Ah, shit, I don't have the episode uh, number right in front of me. You know what? Let me just look that up here. Give me one second. I'm going to be like Jamie on the Joe Rogan show right now and Google something, but I don't have someone to do it for me. Um, Let me just give you the episode number. His name was Mark Langdon was the guest. If I Google that, I should get the number. Yes, the episode number was 198, Harmonizing with Scalar Waves, featuring Mark Langdon. And uh, that episode explains this whole Blue Shield thing. And when it comes to devices like the Blue Shield or the other one I'm about to mention, Soma Vedic, uh, that, as I said earlier, is going to be featured on the show on Tuesday, these all get in kind of to this, uh, you know, woo-woo quantum uh, level of science. And... I personally 100% believe in these things or I would not waste my money on them or definitely not get other people to spend their hard-earned cash on them uh, by promoting them. But these types of devices don't per se block EMF. If you block EMF, none of your devices work. <laughs> it's like I have a router here in my office, you know, which is generating a tremendous amount of radiation. It's frying me as I speak. If I block that, then I have no EMF to do uh, my live streams. You need EMF if you want to have wireless technology. Now, when I buy a house, which will hopefully be happening uh, in 2020, I'll have the whole goddamn house hardwired and there will be no uh, wireless shenanigans going on there at all. I'll be the psycho guy that when you come to my house, you have to plug your phone into the wall somewhere to make it work. But if you don't like it, don't come over. You know what I'm saying? Go live next to a cell tower. Have fun. Knock yourself out. But uh, yeah, these devices are, you know, they're a little bit um, nebulous. Uh, They, you know, how they work is a little mysterious. They generate these harmonious, healthy energy fields that create um, resonance with your biology and render you impervious to the negative effects of EMF. That's essentially how it works. So I have the blue shield in my car. Then I also have the small yellow Soma Vedic travel unit that 
plugs into USB. So that's that goes in like a little USB adapter into the lighter and I just keep it in the back seat or on the floorboard in the back. And um, I just keep both of those on all the time. And I also take the Soma Vedic, the little one with me when I travel and plug it in in hotel rooms and even on the plane, although I just broke mine on a trip to Costa Rica because I forgot it was made of glass and I was banging around my suitcase like a monster and uh, opened it up and it was cracked into a million pieces. Very sad. I miss the Soma Vedic. I have to excuse my voice. I'm kind of, I don't ever like to say I have a cold because I feel like it gives it energy, but I'll just say it. I have a fucking cold. Uh, but it's like on the brink, it's not full on, but it's just, I notice you know, a little sore throat and kind of a dry cough, but, uh, I've got my, uh, hyperbaric oxygen chamber here at the house now and my ozone machine. So I probably would be super sick if I didn't have all the crazy shit that I have here to keep myself well. But uh, if you hear me kind of <coughs> choke out, that's why. Um, let's see. Okay. So that's kind of creating a harmonic field inside your car with those devices. Highly recommend that. I find having the, um, hotspot turned off in my car, minimizing the Bluetooth, minimizing any Wi-Fi shit in there. Um, even sometimes you can set your GPS on your phone and turn off, turn it on airplane and it will still run on the LTE vibes. On an iPhone, it's like that little green antenna looking icon and your GPS will still work without having to have all this Wi-Fi inside the car. Another thing that's really smart is to wear EMF protective clothing, especially on long road trips. When I'm just driving around town, I feel fine. But honestly, if I drive to out to Sedona or I drive out to Big Sur or you know somewhere within a couple of days uh, taking a nice road trip, man, I get super fatigued and just just tweaked when I drive. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the EMF levels and things like that. I'm just, you know, I'm a fucking canary in the coal mine. What can I say? I'm, I'm Mr. Sensitive when it comes to this shit. Some people doesn't bother them at all. Same with flying. Flying just bothers me way more than your average person. It totally sucks ass. That's why I spend so much time and energy trying to hack these things. It's not because I actually enjoy having to do all this shit. I'd rather just get in my car and go or go hop on a plane and feel awesome. But I have to admit to myself and to you that I do not unless I use some of these interventions. So wearing the um, EMF protective clothing, specifically the LAMS uh, briefs, the EMF protected briefs, I'm actually wearing them right now because I threw out all my other underwear. They were perfectly good, but they did not protect the NADs from EMFs like LAMS do. They're fantastic. And I got to say, these are one of my sponsors. So of course, I'm going to blow them up and like give them props because they give me money. But dude, these underwear are really well made. They're super comfortable and um, they hold up really well too. I've had mine for a couple months and they're like, you know, they don't get all stretched out and shit. They're really high quality. And these guys also make a beanie. And that's awesome. I don't have one yet. I have this other one I bought online a while ago, but I'm, I'm waiting for the lambs beanie to come out if it's not out already. And that would be great to wear on a road trip too. If you're going to protect any part of your body from EMF during travel, whether it be by plane, train, or automobile, you definitely want to protect your reproductive organs and your brain. I mean, it'd be nice if you could just, you know, sheathe your whole body in tinfoil, but that's not always plausible. So uh, I'm all for the lambs underwear. And from what I understand, they are making some ladies briefs shortly as well. Although, you know, if you're into kind of the boyfriend jeans and the boyfriend t-shirt kind of thing, girls, um, you could conceivably get a smaller or it depends what size you are, but you could get a size of lambs underwear that probably fits you no matter what your size is. You don't have to be a male 
with the apparatus that we have in front in order for these underwear to protect your reproductive organs. And if you are a woman who is pregnant or planning on getting that way soon, I would definitely recommend that you begin this practice. And while I'm on that soapbox, uh, there are also some really great, now lambs don't make these yet, but there are some other brands online. They don't look, you know, like a lot of the EMF clothing, I'll just be honest, doesn't look that hot. Um, so you're going to look like a freak if you wear it. Uh, but there are some, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Maternity clothing that's EMF protective. Specifically, there's these kind of, uh, you know, little hoodies and belly wraps and things like that for pregnant women, which I think is really, really important. Not, you know, even just outside of my normal EMF paranoia, um, that little person to be inside you deserves to be protected. So I'm a huge advocate for, for um, you know, while you're pregnant, even just move somewhere where there's lower EMF. And in order to do that, you just move to somewhere with a lower population density. It's that simple. Just look at like, if you look at where you are on a map and look at how many buildings are around you, that's how much Wi-Fi and cell exposure you're getting. Um, as I look for houses, as I've been looking in different places, um, I always look on the map and if there's a bunch of houses close by, I'm like, nah, you're off the list. I want a house with people far away. Uh, so if you're pregnant, consider spending some time uh, away from a city if possible. And um, if you can't do that, then you can definitely research some of the protective clothing that just kind of looks like yoga clothes. You know, it's not like super, it's not like Chanel shit, you know what I'm saying? But um, it's, it's passable. And that also goes without saying that I'm not shaming you if you're a mom or a mom-to-be and you don't choose to do that. I'm sure your kid will be fine too. But, you know, might as well just give them as much uh, chance as they can coming into the world. Okay, so, uh, oh yeah, I also just added an EMF blocking hoodie to my website. It's by just this kid. I, well, I don't know if he's a kid. He could be 80 for all I know. Uh, but uh, he, I, think, I think of him as a kid because I think his brand is relatively new. And he just has, I think, one product at the moment, at the time of this recording. The company's called No Choice. And he makes this rad EMF blocking hoodie. And I think he's working on some little baby onesies too, which is genius. I mean, if I ever pop a baby, I guess I don't pop them. The girl pops it, but if I ever help create one, you bet your ass that kid's going to be walking around in a tinfoil suit 24-7. No joke. Uh, But anyway, I think he's working on those. But for now, we have this EMF blocking hoodie. So if you did like the lambs underwear, you did the beanie, you did the hoodie when you're doing long road trips, you'd probably be feeling pretty stoked. Now, I'm going to admit the the no choice hoodie is a little space age looking. It's a little tinfoil hat looking. I personally don't care. It also zips up the front and like covers your whole face for when you're like on an airplane or in a really gnarly place. You're making your whole like upper torso neck, face, skull, brain, um, like Faraday out, just blocking all EMF. Um, I ain't mad at that. I don't really care how I look. I just want to feel awesome. So that's that. Now taking uh, road travel to the next level, as I said, you know, I'm really expanding on the question, which the question was like, how do we get some light when it's cold out in the car? But you know, your old pal Luke has to go next level. So I'm just going to give you everything I've got because I don't know, I'm extreme. When we talk about my current vices, that's one of them. And so I'm proving that uh, preemptively. When I take road trips, I also like to bring along uh, my Nano V, which I have this little baby sitting here right here next to me. I'm tapping on it right now, made by Eng3. I've also done a podcast episode about this. And you know what? I might as well look this up too. 
this is something that would be advice for me to do in my manuscript um, ahead of time in the future, note to self. But anyway, here we are. Uh, let's see what episode was this, the Nano V, because you can just go, you can watch these interviews on YouTube or you can listen to the podcast and you can like geek out so much harder than I could ever could. Uh, that's episode 153, Anti-Aging Miracles and Biohacking Superpowers with Nano V. So this is a relatively portable unit. It's, um, you know, it's about a foot long, maybe 14 inches long, 12 inches deep, uh, six, eight inches high, just a funky little device. And it's got a cannula that you put uh, in your nose and you inhale something called easy water or exclusion zone water in the form of a fine mist. And essentially it's a really potent antioxidant and reduces oxidative stress. And when you're driving or doing any kind of travel, especially if you're crossing time zones, oxidative stress is the thing that really fatigues you. So when I'm feeling like being super psycho, I'll bring that thing and put it in the back seat and just drive around with it on. I also bring on long road trips, my vital reaction, uh, molecular hydrogen gas generator, which works in much the same way. I put it in the back seat, put in a cannula, which is that little kind of breathing apparatus you put up your nose. And I breathe that stuff periodically. Uh, or I'll just stop and pop some vital reaction tabs in my water. I'll usually do about four tabs in a you know normal size bottle of water. Like imagine a, a bottle that's the size of a Fiji or something. I'll put four tabs in there, which is quite a lot. And I'll do that every 90 minutes or so when I'm flying or driving. And that's a really, really powerful antioxidant and anti-inflammatory. One thing that happens when you travel is uh, you get very inflamed, some of us more than others, and I find that that's very helpful. I also did an episode, I guess I've done an episode on everything. Let me see here. What was the number? Uh, Luke Story, Hydrogen. This was an amazing, oh yeah, this was a great, great episode. I really, this shit blew my mind. Uh, it was with Tyler LeBaron. That was episode number 112, Hydrogen, the Miracle Molecule and Why You Need It Right Now. And um, it really is just one of the most amazing kind of anti-aging medicines. And you can get the vital reaction tabs and the inhaler on my site. The tabs are relatively inexpensive. It's not something you have to take constantly, although I do use it every day myself. But, um, you know, I get a little hook up here and there. If I was buying them, I don't know if I'd take them as, as many as I do, but typically right when I wake up in the morning, I'll pop a tab or two in my morning water that I keep on the nightstand because I just want to hydrate. It's also very hydrating. It also has magnesium in it, which um, we're all deficient in, guaranteed. So those are like the two next level driving hacks. Um, they're not for everyone. I mean, I've had some people I travel with get really annoyed because I just, it's such a fucking circus show in my car. <laughs> I just have all this shit. Um, but I don't know, man, it's just how I roll. It's just me, you know, take it or leave it. It's, it's fun. That said, you know, obviously someday if I have kids and a family and we have to put a bunch of luggage and baby shit in the car, I guess those things go, but that's all part of growing up for now. I'm single and ready to mingle with some biohacking tech, filling up the goddamn car. Another great tip when you're driving is to, uh, this is again, like road trips, not necessarily just running errands around town, but on a long trip, man, you got to stop. And when you go to take your pee breaks and stretch breaks and things like that is get your bare feet on the ground. Even if it's snowing out, like you'll live, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, it helps again to dissipate that static charge that builds up on your body and causes so much inflammation and discomfort. And for me, just physical pain, I find just from sitting for so long, 
um, to repeat what I said earlier, we're just not meant to fly through space and time the way we do. There's another interesting element to that as well, and that's crossing ley lines, uh, which is points of geopathic stress that exist all over the planet. And these lines are essentially cracks in the crust or surface of the earth that allow these really gnarly magnetic fields to pop up and they go up into the atmosphere from underground. It's crazy. Um, that's how people find water with dowsing rods. You can go on a property and if you want to find out where to dig the well, you can actually walk around with these dowsing rods and find where the veins of water are. And so one of the things that wears you out so much about traveling at high speed is you're crossing over uh, all of these ley lines, all of these cracks in the earth and exposing yourself to all of this geopathic stress, which is really another form of EMF. It's a natural EMF, but it is uh, quite um, inflammatory when you do it all the time. Again, um, going back in nature, we would have crossed a few of these when we were migrating, but definitely not the number that we do when we're traveling at high speed. So all of these interventions are really ways in which we can um, mitigate some of the uh, negative effects of these very unnatural ways in which we travel. Now, I'm just going to say before I kind of stop this particular travel uh, section of the episode is that, dude, you could be fine not doing any of this. You probably feel great. This is just next level shit. And somebody asked the question. I think probably the most, honestly, the most important thing about everything I just said is the first part of her question, which was like, how do we get some light in? Crack a window, done. So there you go. I just used 45 minutes of your life to tell you that the most important part was the easiest part, which takes two seconds. Uh, last thing I'll say about the road trips that I find really useful is stopping and doing cold plunges in rivers, lakes, and oceans. Uh, what I do is I kind of just look on my GPS and when I see bodies of water, and if I notice there's a little park or a rest stop or a campground or something like that, I'll just pull over, throw off my clothes or as much of them as I can without getting arrested go to a cold plunge and just refresh. It's freaking amazing. Huge boost of energy, uh, reduces the inflammation from sitting and just being fatigued and bored. And it's just a great way to connect with nature. And when you're in a body of water, you're also super grounded as well. Now putting your bare feet on the ground or you know on dirt, concrete, uh, sand, touching a tree will ground you, touching a living plant grounds you. There's a lot of ways that you can do that, but getting in water is the ultimate. And being in water is also... Uh, the most protected you can be from EMF, just as an aside. I learned that from my former guest, Jack Cruz. When you're in water, you're in a Faraday cage, essentially, which is really interesting. Um, you know, not like being in some water on the side of the road is going to really change your life that much in that respect. But it is neat to think that you're not only being grounded, but you're totally shielded when you're in a body of water. Uh, one thing that I do too when I'm on road trips is I always plan ahead and I look for any hot springs um, on the way. For example, usually once a year or so, I'll take a drive from LA up to Lake Tahoe on uh, I-395 and along that drive are tons of hot springs as you get up a bit further north. And so I'll just kind of pop in those springs or at least one of them and have a soak and continue on my journey. That's a great way to make travel suck a lot less. So that sums up just about everything I have to say about making your life in an automobile healthier, more enjoyable, and more sustainable. And then I think this question also came from Alyssa. It was, what are some cold weather environment hacks when it's not always possible to be outside in freezing temps? And this is something I think about a lot, actually, because 
some of the places that I think about living potentially get quite cold in the winter. And I've lived in Colorado. I've lived in Idaho. I've lived in Northern California, uh, which believe it or not, can get quite cold and very rainy in the winter. And I'm not a fan of cold weather. Um, So I think the first (laughs) recommendation that I would have would be move. Uh, as I'm looking, you know, I know that's obviously, I mean, a smart ass, it's not always possible. You might like where you live, you have family, et cetera. But I don't think I would live anywhere where I couldn't be outdoors and getting natural air and light and just being connected to my environment. Uh, that would be, that'd be a challenge for me. So as I look for places that I might want to potentially live and like right now, when I go on Zillow and I look at different states and towns and things like that, where I think, oh, maybe I could get a place there someday. I mean, I I might not move there right now, but right now all the pictures are snowy. You know, I might look at some place in Oregon or Utah, Colorado, wherever. I don't even know where I'm looking. Um, (laughs) Arizona. Uh, And I look and there's snow on the ground. Like, ugh, it just looks so dead. I just have never liked the winter vibes. Like there's no trees, all the leaves fall off. It's just kind of, um, I don't know. It just gives me the creeps for some reason. And I just don't like freezing and I love sun and I want to be outside. So that brings me in my 2020 manifestation to, I guess I need a winter home and a summer home. I guess I got to be that guy. And, um, if you guys shop on my store enough, maybe I will. No, I'm just kidding. That won't get me there, but some of my other ideas possibly will. But uh, in all seriousness, this is a great question because I'm such a proponent, um, even though I'm someone, of course, that lives in a city, man, I do everything I can to get outside, at least in short spurts as much as possible, whether that's just walking the dog or going to the park or taking a hike or uh, usually on the weekends, I escape Los Angeles in some way and go somewhere where I can spend more times outdoors. So, um, you know, if you're able to move, move somewhere warm and sunny. However, uh, here are some solutions that are perhaps um, going to enable you to stay where you are, but still be healthy. I think the worst part of living somewhere where there's cold weather is that you're cut off from natural light and um, specifically your ability to produce your own vitamin D3, which is really not a vitamin, but more of a hormone. It has so many different mechanisms of action in your body. I could never begin to explain the complexities of the importance of it, but I do know that um, many people are deficient, if not most, and that has a lot to do with the fact that we just don't get outside. So there's a couple things that you can do. Um, There's tanning beds, right? But the thing that's tough about the tanning beds, this is you know to get kind of like a simulation of full spectrum light, UVA and UVB, right? The thing is with the tanning beds is I've looked for like low to no EMF ones a million times. In fact, I just did it prepping for this and there doesn't seem to be any that don't produce um, EMF. And that's kind of... Um, unfortunate because that would be a very easy solution if you happen to live somewhere where, you know, this is the, uh, this is the situation. So I would advise perhaps doing some research on this and seeing if there, you know, somebody's gotten smart and invented perhaps a a full body tanning bed that, um, you know, allows you to get what is equivalent to sunlight in the winter and to keep that vitamin D production going. Now, I did find something here. I might have found this from um, Dr. Mercola. 
Um, although he's gotten a lot of shit because I think he had a tanning bed at some point. It, you know, it, he's had to stop selling it. People found EMF. I don't know. There was some drama around that. But there is a company called Sperti, that's S-P-E-R-T-I, Sperti.com, that makes a vitamin D light. And it's like a small little light. I'm looking at it here on my phone. I think I'm going to add it to my site because from my, I don't have one yet. And I guess I don't really need one living in California. But it's pretty badass as I'm looking at it here. Um, it doesn't mention anything about EMF, so I'm assuming it's going to produce some EMF. But you don't actually have to stand that close to it. Whereas a tanning bed, the EMF is a disaster because you're putting yourself in that sort of coffin and you're just, you know, completely enveloped and enshrined in EMF, which is not good even for a short period of time. But with this particular light, the uh, Spare T Vitamin D lamp, uh, by the way, it looks like it's about 450 bucks. Um you only sit in front of it for five minutes. You don't sit that close. And it's got a pretty good ratio of UVA and UVB, 15 to 85 respectively, which is you know more of a full spectrum light. So it's not like a toxic blue light type situation. But uh, that would probably be, if I put myself somewhere in the winter where it's freezing and I'm not getting outdoors and getting naked in the sun, uh, I would definitely get one of those, which I think is why I'm just going to put them on my site for people like Alyssa to explore. And that's going to help you produce vitamin D and sort of make up for that sunlight deficiency. Now, many people think, well, I'll just take a D3 pill. Uh, I hear a lot of negativity from experts in the health and wellness field that I really respect about taking vitamin D3 in a synthetic isolated form. And I, you know, I take a lot of supplements that are synthetic. I'm on probably five nootropics right now that are made in a lab in China somewhere. You know, God knows the kind of shit that I sometimes experiment with. Um, some of those things I don't recommend, by the way, because I, I can't vouch for their safety at this point in time, but I'm willing to use myself as a guinea pig. But um, for vitamin D supplementation, I would, uh, my personal recommendation would be cod liver oil. There's a company called Rosita that makes a really great non-toxic, completely environmentally sustainable, not rancid, uh, great um, oil that's got quite an abundant um, supply of micronutrients like vitamin A and vitamin D. Many people think you get vitamin A from carrots, but that's not the type of fat-soluble vitamin A that you really need to be healthy. So as I give my recommendation for cod liver oil, there are also a lot of debates going on in the health world about whether fish oils are good or bad for you. Uh, there seem to be more experts on the side of, yes, they're awesome, uh, but there are some people that are very much anti-eating uh, PUFAs or polyunsaturated fatty acids. There's experts on both sides, but I just have to go with the majority of people voting yes on certain fish oils. And I would be very careful about the sourcing of those. I think there's one now on my site that I vetted and checked out and I'm taking, I forget the name of it offhand. Uh, but those are sources of DHA and omega-3s. And um, I think just to be safe when it comes to taking fish oils, cod liver, cod liver oil, et cetera, um, even though cod liver oil is kind of a different, uh, there's a different purpose to it. It's more about getting those fat-soluble nutrients than it is getting the DHA and omega-3s that you'd get from a more traditional fish oil. But I think it's really smart to kind of megadose a quality vitamin E supplement to counterbalance some of the possible negative effects of taking those polyunsaturated fatty acids. So I think it's good to take both of those together. 
Um, some of the fish oils and whatnot do already contain some vitamin E, but I think it's good to add some of that in. And also, let me see, getting back to the light piece when it comes to winter, in terms of mood, this is a big thing also. You know, our hormones and neurotransmitters are very much uh, yoked to the light cycle and our moods and, you know, our levels of cortisol and melatonin are deeply connected to light. And so what is very common is people that live in areas, um, you know, really far from the equator, the Northern hemisphere uh, can suffer from seasonal affective disorder. They can get really depressed and their mood can just suck. You get the winter blues, right? So there's a couple of things you can do for that that are quite uh, scientifically uh, validated. One of them is the human charger, which is a blue light device used mostly for travel and jet lag. I use it all the time. I've been using it for years. But this essentially signs, uh, or, uh, shines a very narrow spectrum of blue light in your ear canal onto your brain. And your brain picks that up as, wow, it's daytime now, which is why it can be used to hack jet lag. There's another great light device called the Verilux. And I also carry this on my site. And this is a full spectrum winter light also used for seasonal affective disorder. And uh, I use it for jet lag. So I travel with this baby. And in the morning, I'll put on my little Juve red light go and I'll put on the Verilux light and I'll make what is essentially a simulated sunrise. Now in the sunrise, technically, you're getting really only red light in terms of the color spectrum. But I want to trick my brain via my eyes, which are part of your brain, incidentally, into thinking that uh, it's morning wherever I am. So these lights can really be used in, in many different ways. But I think that's something that's really important, too, if you live somewhere where there's just a lot of darkness that you can use artificial light to your advantage. Apart from that, in terms of acclimating yourself to nature or just supplementing elements of nature that you're not going to get living somewhere where it's really cold is doing red light therapy. So you could use a unit like the Juve that I talk about quite a bit or the sauna space heating lamps or the sauna space uh, saunas, which are really great EMF free. Uh, I think they use a don't quote me on this. I think it's a near infrared light. There are these incandescent red bulbs that produce quite a lot of heat too. So I like those in winter. And those both provide the red spectrum of light that you're likely to miss in winter months. I know when it's snowy and freezing outside, I'm probably not going to be up outdoors watching the sunrise. Although I would, I would like to build up to that. Uh, it's not likely to happen. So again, another way that we can get some spectrum of light that we're going to be missing typically uh, living in an area that's really cold. Then using infrared saunas, like I've got my clear light sauna up in the Zen den here in the backyard. And I, I mean, I use that thing all the time, winter or not, but saunas are a great way to heat up and then get yourself outdoors, go roll in the snow, go jump in a lake, you know, pretend like you're uh, in Finland or uh, Russia and really take advantage of that great cold weather and cold bodies of water. And that's really easy to do. Well, relatively easy to do. It's kind of something you have to train a bit for and, you know, really have the nervous system and the mind over matter down to do. But I really love taking saunas when it's cold. I mean, what's better than going out, you know, in a snowy yard and jumping in a, a barrel sauna? Now, the infrared saunas are typically kept indoors. They're not you're not able to keep them uh, outdoors because they'll you know, be subject to the elements, but you can get a barrel sauna that are great. 
and you can use those in the winter. And they at least allow you to be outside for short periods of time in between sessions. Now, I've not researched um, in terms of the barrel saunas. It's it's on my vision boards to get one of those. I love them. Um, I've not found one that's low or no EMF yet, though. So if anyone is familiar with a barrel sauna that pays attention to the EMF issue, please shoot me an email and let me know um, at info at lukestory.com because I'm, I'm looking to get one of those. But from my understanding, because they have that big heating element inside, they are very high in EMF and you're sitting really close to that, which kind of defeats the purpose of doing something for your health. But I do like the barrel saunas a lot because it's a different kind of heat um, then the infrared, it heats the environment, it heats the air rather than like an infrared that heats your tissue, which is, I think, more healing generally. But sometimes I do like to get in a 220 degrees hot ass barrel sauna and just sweat balls in two seconds, especially if it's somewhere in the winter. Uh, same goes for hot tubs and hot springs. Those are also great ways to just be outdoors, getting natural light in your eyes, breathing fresh air. I don't know if there's anything better, to be honest, than sitting in a hot springs when it's pouring snow in a blizzard and you're just chilling in a really hot, hot springs. And then you can get out and hopefully jump in a cold bit of water, or at least, you know, go roll in the snow and get back in. I mean, there's, to me, there's just nothing more invigorating than hot and cold therapy. And now of course the science and great experts like, um, people like Dr. Rhonda Patrick, for example, are, um, coming out and, you know, giving us the deep science on why this is so therapeutic. I've known that it makes me feel good for a really long time, but now we're learning why it's actually quite fascinating. And I think it just has to do with our evolution. You know, we've evolved to um, live in the elements and use fire and hot springs and cold water and cold weather and fresh air and all of these things to sustain our health and, and I believe really our mood, you know, I mean, that's why we feel so good when we go camping or we go on vacation somewhere and we surround ourselves in nature. So we really want to find ways to do this even in the winter months when it's really cold. Another great hack to learn how to acclimate yourself to cold weather so that you could perhaps get outside and work out, you know, go for a couple sprints, you know, throw some kettlebells around hang from some trees, do some push-ups, pull-ups, whatever your hopefully kind of natural uh, safe movement practice is, is by doing breath work. You know, an easy way to learn this is by downloading the Wim Hof app. I believe it's called Inner Fire. I think it's free last I checked. And that's just the most simple, easy to follow kind of breath work. There's a lot of different modalities and practices within the tradition of Kundalini Yoga, of which I'm a practitioner and teacher um, now for a while. Uh, there's a lot of breath work in that. And so there's all sorts of different ways you can breathe that really light your body up and fill you with oxygen and give you the ability to withstand cold exposure. Another thing you can do to build up your cold callus is by doing cryotherapy and ice baths in the warmer months. And this drives up your cold tolerance very powerfully. So I find that since I'm doing ice baths year round, when I go to a colder climate, I'm often shocked how tolerant I am of the cold weather. It's just crazy. Even just in my house sometimes. I mean, I probably keep my house in the winter probably at 70, but I don't know. Sometimes I'm just sitting around hanging out and I don't even notice it's dipped down to 63 degrees inside of my house. You know, I'm here often alone. I don't live with anyone and I don't get much company other than podcast guests, which is something I'm hoping to change this year. Um, cause I've 
Yeah, it's a whole other topic anyway. I'll do a show about it um, on the upcoming ayahuasca um, episodes about isolation and loneliness and things like that. But uh, point is from doing breath work, from doing cryo and ice baths, I find that I I can run outside stark naked in the snow and feel pretty comfortable for quite a while. So those are some tips for you there. And another downside of being indoors so much in the winter months is breathing processed air. You know, just like we want to avoid processed food and I'm a proponent of avoiding processed water, except in very rare cases where a filtration system of high quality has processed the water in a way that reinvigorates it and makes it more natural again, as would be the case with a system by a company called Pristine Hydro or another one called Ophora Water with the pH Ophora Water. Those are two great companies uh, that make a processed water that essentially mimics natural spring water. But while we want to avoid processed food and water, many of us don't realize that while we're indoors, we're always breathing to some degree processed air. You know, you have these um, intake valves that are coming through the um, air conditioning units or the heating units in your home. And that water, I mean, that air is no longer uh, natural, raw, organic air. Even if you're living somewhere that's unpolluted, Uh, That air is still entering your office, uh, place of work, where you live, and being altered in some way. So um, I think it's a really great practice to, from time to time, just open up all the windows in your home and just air it out and get some of those um, negative ions that exist in the air. Get some of that natural ozone, especially in the middle, you know, in the middle of a storm or after a storm, and just really get some of that fresh air in the house. And then also, of course, uh, filtration of the air, which of course is process in the air again, but this is air that's already been processed uh, from wherever it's coming into your house, intake, vents, etc. The air filter that I think has the most research and that appears to be the best one on the market. It's, it's, it's hard to say because there's so much competition and they're all, there's a lot of infighting with the air um, purification companies. There's, there's three industries that I've noticed that are really cutthroat and, and, um, and weird. That is the sauna industry. These guys all hate each other. (laughs) And also the red light industry. Wow, there's some big wars in the red light industry going on right now. I've seen on social media. And then also in the air purification. In those three categories, for some reason, um, much of the marketing that these companies use is to put other brands down, which I, I don't think is ever really a good, you know, I don't know. I guess you should just talk about why yours is awesome. But anyway, uh, it's just something I've noticed. Point being that you really have to weed through a lot of noise with air purification to find the best. But based on my research, the molecule looks like the front runner, both in its sleek design and effectiveness, not only in filtering larger particulate in the air, such as dust, dander, et cetera, but also going after viruses, um, mold, bacteria, fungus, et cetera. Uh, so I'm going to be getting a molecule at some point. I have them on my site because I think they're the best from what I've researched, as I said, um, not to be hypocritical because I don't have one. They're just kind of pricey. They're like seven or 800 bucks. And I just, I've got my two Austin Air Health Mates that are a HEPA filter and they're very high quality. I've had them for many years. You change the filter once a year and they're great, but they only get out the larger particulate and don't help you out with the mold, bacteria, et cetera. 
So um, I'll be soon upgrading to the molecule. But in terms of being indoors and being stuck in there in the winter, I just want to recommend that you, you know, make sure that your air is clean. If you're living in a house, especially a house that's newer, uh, your walls are likely built out of that um, pressed sort of, uh, what do you call that? plywood that's like wood chips and it's full of all kinds of glue and uh, formaldehyde and flame retardant, et cetera. If you've got a house that has new carpeting and new appliances and a bunch of electric electronic gear that's made of plastic, you know, there's a lot of off-gassing and toxins going on in the house and not to be paranoid or be a doomsdayer. It's just the fact that our indoor air is very polluted. So if you're going to be in there in the winter, definitely... Uh, my advice would be to make sure that that air is getting cleaned up. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. Those of you that heard episode 206 will remember today's sponsor, Sakara. I had the two founders on the show, two fantastic women making fantastic food. Really outstanding company and one that's going to be very supportive in the new year as we all try to set our healthy eating goals. These guys deliver to your door in the U.S. organic, ready-to-eat meals that are chef-prepared with powerful plant-based ingredients and they are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. So they've got breakfast, lunch, and dinners. The menu changes weekly, which I find really helpful. Sometimes when I get meal delivery, I start getting sick of the meals, then I stop ordering. You're never going to get bored of Saqqara, and they're going to make it really easy to maintain your 2020 dietary goals. We all know we should eat organic. There are certain items that we should avoid in our diet. That's really difficult when you go grocery shopping, you get lazy. When you eat out at restaurants, Saqqara makes it very simple and very easy to uh, comply with what I think your dietary standards um, probably are if you listen to this show. So I'm super stoked to have them on board. Uh, Also worth mentioning is that along with their delicious meals, Saqqara also has daily wellness essentials. They've got supplements and herbal teas to go ahead and support your nutrition along with the amazing food. And I'm going to recommend to boost results, try their best-selling Metabolism Superpower. It's an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. So if you add that to their delicious, chef-prepared, home-delivered meals, you are winning. And these guys are kind of famous. They're doing some cool stuff. They've been uh, featured in Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, tons of press. They've been around for many years. I'm a huge fan, and I know you will be too. You know what you're really going to be a fan of? Getting 20% off your first order. What? Yep, that's right. Go to sakara.com slash Luke. Enter the code Luke and save 20%. That's sakara.com S-A-K-A-R-A. Sakara.com forward slash Luke. The code is Luke to save 20% off. Make it real easy to stay on your dietary goals for 2020. And now back to the interview. Okay, so on to question three. John B. asks, Luke, what are your vices? Ha, ha, ha. I don't have any. I'm completely evolved and uh, enlightened at this point. I'm basically a monk and um, don't have any issues whatsoever. So that's the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, No, seriously, I'm someone who has a lot of experience with addictions, compulsions, etc. of all types. Uh, You name it, I've probably been addicted to it. It's not something I'm proud of, not something I'm ashamed of. It's just been part of my journey. I just 
swear to God, I was just wired that way. When I was a little kid, I was like a sugar fiend. And then I got into Black Sabbath. And then I got into, uh, what was I into? Bruce Lee, skateboarding. I mean, anything I've ever been into, even positive things, I've just been full fucking on. It's just the only way I know how to do things. Um, it's just in my DNA, I think. And if I look back in my family lineage, if you believe that you know the propensity to fall prey to addictions runs in families, I would say it definitely runs in mine. Uh, in my case, it was largely due to early trauma and the mental and emotional issues that I developed as a result. And I spent most of my teens and 20s really taking anything I could to mask the pain of being me. I just suffered from, oh my God, just perpetual negativity and misery and just was a really unhappy camper as a kid. And um, I felt better when I did a lot of drugs. However, that eventually reached a pinnacle of sorts. And when I was 26, I cleaned up my act. So I quit drugs and alcohol in 1997. And when that happened, I thought all my problems were going to be over. I would be free and live happily ever after. However, I spent subsequent years after that initial cleanup, uh, unhooking myself from many other addictive behaviors, whether it be you know sugar and gorging out on food, negative thoughts and emotions, all forms of tobacco, nicotine, sex, compulsive spending, anything I could do to sort of alter my brain and mask uncomfortable feelings that I wanted to avoid or uh, to, uh, you know, erase memories that were coming up that I wanted to avoid, et cetera. Um, you know, I've used just about everything you can in terms of having vices, using the word that John put in his question. Now, over the years, I've done a lot of inner work um, to heal my past and to really make those addictions less necessary. In other words, if you don't have a headache, you don't really feel compelled to take aspirin. So my life is all about um, getting to the root cause of that existential headache so that I become less likely to partake in self-destructive or in some cases other destructive behaviors. And I just don't like the feeling of being controlled by something and being addicted to things. However, that said, in the spirit of honesty and full transparency, I will keep it real and answer the question as of this point in my life. I would say, if I really look at myself and I'm honest right now, uh, there are times when <laughs> I'm softening it. No, the reality is that I'm aware that I often use self-care practices and all of the health rituals and regimens and biohacking as a way to sort of escape uh, my current reality, even though my current reality is really great and I'm very happy and fulfilled in most ways. I think all of us still have some things that aren't working out and that we don't want to think about or deal with. And so for me, really using some of these practices in a very obsessive way is um, a form of escape for me at times and also a way to procrastinate and just avoid dealing with responsibilities and dealing with things that, uh, you know, I have to deal with just shit and day-to-day -day life work, you know, calling that lawyer, dealing with the IRS, doing all the adult shit that you got to do in this world. Uh, sometimes I just think, well, I'm going to go take care of myself. And this is tricky uh, for people in my field because it's also my work. It's my passion. It's my hobby. I love getting 
happier and healthier, working on my consciousness, my spiritual life. I want to look good. I want to feel good. And so everything that I do that I would consider vices from one perspective could be easily argued um, uh, for positively, meaning uh, we could go to a court of law and you could accuse me of having an obsessive compulsive personality and that it's bad and wrong and I should stop. And I could be like, well, what? Taking vitamins is bad. Working out's bad. Taking a sauna is bad. Why would I stop that? Going on a hike? What's the problem? <laughs> you know what I mean? Doing all the things that I do, meditating, you know, uh, obsessively, spending time in prayer and contemplation and reading spiritual books and, and such, uh, doing yoga. These are all things that are really good for you. So it's very easy for me to find justifications for them and kind of trick myself into thinking that I'm awesome when in fact, you know, these things aren't right or wrong. It's not a duality, but there are times where I realize like, man, God, I really didn't get a lot done today and I don't want to beat myself up, but uh, I do use some of those things as an escape from time to time. And so I think my number one vice would probably be the ritualistic ways in which I take care of myself and that a lot of it probably exists in my imagination, meaning if I wake up and I think, oh, I feel a little off, I need to do these five practices, whatever they are, right? There's just so many things. There's an endless array of different modalities that I'm aware of and participate in that can change the way I feel for the better. I think if I'm really honest, I could probably wake up most days, do a 20-minute meditation, don't do shit else, and just go on and have a great day. But I'm always kind of pushing the envelope and trying to do more. And so I think the vice really there is in finding balance and not being, what's the word I'm looking for? Attached, right? There's an attachment there. If you look at it from the Buddhist perspective, it's like sometimes I'll walk into my kitchen and see the four cabinets that are full of supplements and shit and have no food in them. I do buy food. People always criticize me for not eating food. I don't eat a lot, but I'm also a simple man. I have some Belcampo grass-fed meat in my fridge right now. And mm, that's pretty much the only food I have. And frankly, all I kind of need. Um, if I want a salad, I'll just open up an Organifi little green packet, throw it in the blender. There you go. Huge salad, two seconds. Uh, but seriously, um, I'll walk in there and I think, Luke, could you, what if your kitchen just blew up and you just let all this shit go? Or could you just move to a new house and leave all this stuff here, just throw it in the dumpster and just move into a new house and just have plates and glasses in the cupboard and have a refrigerator full of food and, you know, some dry goods in the pantry. Uh, could I do that? And the honest to God answer is I really don't think I could. I, I'm very attached to all the things. Because it's like, <laughs> the more I learn about all this rad shit, the more I want to do it. It's just, I feel so good. Even today, I have like, you know, as I said, the hint of a cold, a little bit of a dry cough, kind of a sore throat. It's not full on, but I'm like, if I didn't have all this shit in my house and wasn't doing all these things, I, I might be super sick. So, you know, finding a balance there and surrendering the attachment to all of the practices and stuff, I think is something that is just going to have to come in its own natural time, uh, especially due to the fact that, as I said, I've also created a career around finding ways to heal myself on a, an emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical level. And it's my, it's my vocation, it's my hobby, it's my passion, it's what I love, it's part of my mission is to see what I can sort out and inspire other people like you listening to this to sort themselves out. Uh, 
and um, you know, just to kind of be be a front runner there that's demonstrating for people what's possible and doing the research, et cetera. So, you know, I don't know if it's something I would ever want to quit because it's like what I dig, but I do see there are some days where I'm like, wow, it's today was one of those days I was like, wow, it's three o'clock and not shit has happened except I just took care of myself, you know? Um, so I don't know. I think that would be the top vice. Uh, I also am a bit of a sugar junkie. Now this is, this has been made better because you have like monk fruit, monk fruit extract and you can go to air one and for like $80, you can buy a dessert there that is technically sugar-free and even keto and, you know, it doesn't have any gnarly stuff in it, but it still satisfies kind of that sweet tooth. But I do find in terms of sugar cravings, uh, it is definitely for me an emotional thing. If I'm trying to stuff a thought or a feeling, something super sugary very much assists in that. But if I eat a high fat diet, which most of the time I do, it's harder to do that for me when I travel. Um, But if I'm eating a high fat diet and also using my ozone generator, um, I find that the sugar cravings go down a lot, especially with the ozone, because that keeps systemic fungus, candida, et cetera, at bay in your GI. And so oftentimes when you're craving sugar, it's parasites, fungus, et cetera, to my understanding, that are craving them. I definitely notice, whether it be placebo or not, that if I'm on a regular ozone regimen, uh, that the sugar cravings go down quite a bit. And also if I eat um, if I eat a high-fat diet, which for me would be ghee, grass-fed butter, coconut oil, uncooked, uh, high-quality, organic, cold-pressed olive oil, et cetera. Um, and then animal fats, of course, you know, cooking up some bacon. I cook my grass-fed meat in, um, in uh, the fat that comes from the top. I think they call it tallow. Yeah, like beef fat. It comes off the top of my bone broth from um, uh, Arizona grass-raised. I think it's called Arizona grass-raised beef. They make the most chronic bone broth. Kettle and Fire also makes a great bone broth, but it doesn't have the fat on top it's shelf stable and they make it in a different way. So it's quite thin, um, more watery. It's great and definitely um, much easier to deal with in terms of shipping and you can go to the store and buy it. Whereas the other stuff comes frozen. But anyway, um, the sugar cravings are definitely alleviated at least partially by eating a high fat diet. But I do notice sometimes late at night, I'm just like, ah, it's just kind of like lonely in the house. What am I doing? Like no one's around. I'm like, I want some sugar. So that's something I'm looking out for. Uh, The next one, and God, the one that I would say probably has the most deleterious effect on my life, and that is staying up later than I would like, and as a result, sleeping in later than I would like. Now, I've struggled with this my entire life. I mean, I was never the kid up at six, like ready to go to school. It just ain't happening. I always refused to go to bed. When I was supposed to, really hard to wake up. And the issue with that now as a grown ass man is that my cortisol and melatonin um, levels and relationships are kind of backwards at the moment and meaning that my circadian rhythm is upside down. So the way I am currently is I get a huge spike in cortisol mid to late evening. I'm wide awake. I don't want to go. I could easily stay up till two or three in the morning and be like rocking and rolling, but there's nothing to do. So I don't generally, I'm going to sleep right now between 12 and one, which is way later than I would prefer. 
And then I'm like, this is just me like over the past couple of weeks. I'm just, I'm just being real. It isn't always this way. And more so in the winter, you know, it's kind of colder and cozier. And so today I think I slept into like 1030 because I went to bed at one and couldn't really sleep. It's just, it's a fucking train wreck. Let me just be honest. Um, what fixes that immediately, if you're someone that relates to that, is just getting up and watching the sunrise, like sun gazing safely. Please Google how to safely sun gaze. Don't go burn your eyes out and try to stare at the sun at noon. Uh, but there is a way to sun gaze as verified through thousands of years of practice in the Ayurvedic system of health and longevity. So watching the sunrise and getting that red light in your eyes in the morning uh, resets your circadian rhythm by the way that it affects your production of dopamine and cortisol and melatonin, etc. So anytime I've gotten on a weird schedule like I am now, where I'm just like, ah, and then every day I wake up and beat myself up because, oh, you fucked up again. You stayed up too late. Now it's like 12 and you haven't got any work done. I'm in this really weird cycle right now. Um, the way to fix that is to wake up and watch the sunrise for three or four days. If I do that, I'm tired as shit. Like nine or 10 at night, I want to go to sleep because why? Melatonin is being produced when it's supposed to be produced. Cortisol is winding down. Um, also, another thing that will really wind up the cortisol at night is doing any work. Even if I sometimes I'll just be like, ah, I'm just going to wrap up a couple emails. I'm not going to get involved in anything stressful. And typically speaking, my emails really aren't stressful. They're just administrative shit, right? But dude, if I do anything that requires a brain past eight, nine at night, then I won't, I'll get super hyped up and I won't be able to sleep because you're producing cortisol when you're getting shit done, you know? Um, same goes, of course, for the blue light. I mean, we've, we've beat that horse to death, right? Well, wait, no, beating a dead horse. We've beat that horse even after that horse died. And we'll continue to beat the drum of that horse because the blue light and the devices and all that stuff at night, of course, is a huge contributor to the cortisol melatonin war. Um, but I don't have any blue light happening in my house at night because um, I've adjusted everything accordingly. Uh, but still, man, just doing stuff at night, like working on any projects. And um, I think for me, it's just like, I don't want the day to end. I'm sort of addicted to just being awake and enjoying myself. And I, I like don't want to call it a day because I feel like there's more to do. But the fact is, if I stay up past midnight, I'm actually up the next day. So no wonder that same day after midnight it's difficult to get up and get moving. Why? Because I'm still flooded with melatonin and I'm not producing cortisol. So I'd say like the gnarliest vice for me is just like getting out of that cycle. Now, even though I know what the solution is, as I said, getting up and sun gazing for a few days, um, it's really hard for me to do that where I live right now because I live in a canyon and I'd have to drive up the hill in the dark. <laughs> I mean, it's only like a you know, two, three minute drive. Let's be fair, but I don't know, man. You try getting out of bed when it's dark and cold and like hopping in your car and driving up the hill, trespassing on someone's property, which is the only way that I can see the sun rise from where I live and sitting up there and doing my breath work. I've done it a few times, but it is harder to do in the winter, so... I don't know, man, how I'm going to get out of that cycle. It's, it's, it's a bitch, but that's definitely advice. Uh, another one would be procrastination. And this is fueled by this circadian mismatch cycle that I'm admitting to reluctantly. Uh, by the time I get my ass up in the morning to get energized and do all my routines and work out and take the ice bath and do the vibration plate and the juve and the biocharger and the hyperbaric oxygen chamber and the molecular hydrogen and the nano V and take 45,000 supplements, 
like half my day is gone. And I'm like, yeah, I guess just today is going to be a wash. I'm just going to chill. And so, um, you know, as I said, it all kind of ties in together with some of the the rituals and things like that can really end up with some pretty gnarly procrastination. So it's like, I don't know, there's two ways to look at that. I was, I was texting with a friend of mine today who was very lovingly and compassionately kind of, you know, sort of beating myself up. Cause I'm like, God, I just can't get going. It's 2020. Everyone's like, let's kick ass. And I'm like, let's take a nap. 2020 year of the nap. I just want to chill. Like I'm just, I can't get in the groove of ass kicking. And uh, she was like, dude, there's the full moon tomorrow. Like you're just, you know, you're in a phase of regeneration and introspection, et cetera. And, you know, I think what she was uh, giving me was not only compassionate, but also valid. So sometimes, you know, I really have to do some self-honesty and reflection to see, do I just need to listen to my body and just kind of chill right now? Or am I avoiding responsibilities that are going to hurt me or other people? As is the case right now, as I record this, I am about a week behind my deadline on this very episode. I'm recording this on a Thursday. This shit's supposed to come out tomorrow, Friday, January 10th. And um, I was on Slack with my my team at Crate Media that produced my podcast. They're like, yeah, just get it to us today. We'll handle it. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't even know where these guys live. They, they might be in Istanbul or some shit in a totally different time zone. Um, you know, I've not met these folks for them, except for, I think one of them. Um, where they're just like these ghosts on Slack that make my podcast happen. But this, <laughs> this lateness is a result of what I'm talking about. And I don't always do that. Sometimes I'm very prolific, but since I took December off, I went to Soltara, did a bunch of ayahuasca, just did a lot of deep inner work. I'm kind of just reorienting myself in the world. I'm integrating. I'm just in a very introspective, restful state. And, um, that's part of it. And part of it is like, I'm just like, yeah, I just want to avoid work. Uh, the last vice that I'm going to admit to here, because this is getting embarrassing, is that, man, sometimes I'm super addicted to my phone and it is obvious to me and it is very troubling. If I'm not careful, um, I'll just habitually pick up my phone and I'll fall into a social media vortex. And uh, I mean, I don't want to under-exaggerate or over-exaggerate, but it's quite possible that I might like be gone for an hour and just my head just locked into this freaking piece of glass and plastic in this virtual world. And I just get in this hypnotic trance because of course these apps are all designed to do that. And I'm not blaming them. I mean, I could put the phone down, but can I really? So this is one that I really would like to get a grip on this year in 2020 because it's just such a waste of time and energy. You know, I have these other things that take 10, 20 minutes a day, like my Zing performance training. I have a big sign right in front of me here on my desk that says complete Zing performance training twice a day. It's 10 minutes twice a day. It's going to bring my cerebellum back online. I did a show about it recently with uh, Winford Door. And it's something I really want to do uh, to improve my cognition and brain function. And I'll find days I'm like, oh man, I'm too busy. I can't do that. And I'm like, really, Luke? You just fucking spaced out on Instagram or Twitter for an hour. And so, um, you know, refreshing the apps and all that. Now I've tried different things. Like I've, um, you know, deleted social media apps from my phone. And then I realized like, well, how am I going to post? You know, So I don't know if there's an answer to that. It's like riding the tiger, man. You know, it's one of those sort of compulsions or borderline addictions that is difficult to cold turkey. For me, it's really easy with alcohol or something like that. I'm just, I don't drink. It's, it's real simple. 
It's not like I have to wake up every day and, well, I have to drink three ounces of whiskey every morning because it's my job or it's how I communicate with the world. No, it's real easy to just go, yeah, I just don't drink alcohol. Real simple. 20, almost 23 years of doing that and I'm quite habituated and I don't miss it, don't want it, don't need it. It's all good. But the phone, it's part of life, man. It's it's there and I need to use it and I want to use it. But how do you, um, you know, how do you ration the time on the phone? I set the thing that on Instagram that tells you like how long you're on it. And then now I never look at it because I don't want to know. It'll be like, you spent two hours. I'm like, really? Like what, what could I have done in two hours today other than doing jack shit on Instagram? I mean, to be fair, sometimes I am answering DMs and like interacting with people and, you know, connecting in a real way. Well, kind of a fake real way, um, but it's fun. And I've met great people and brands and a lot of opportunities. So I love social media and I, I love posting and I'm live streaming right now as I record this and it's awesome, but um, finding some balance there is really important to me too. So it's really um, actually quite helpful to answer John's question as I reflect on all this stuff as I enter 2020. It's a good little wake up call to myself. It's an opportunity to be compassionate to myself, but also self-aware Um, not to be too hard on myself and not to be too easy on myself. So thank you, John, for the question. And thank you to everyone else who joined me throughout 2019. I am so excited about what I have in store for you uh, this year, man. I've got some amazing episodes coming out. It's just, uh, I've got, you know, like a a few months kind of pre-recorded now. I'm on a recording hiatus except for these solo shows for a while, working on some other projects and stuff. I'll tell you about soon, of course, but I'm just really excited and really grateful, um, especially everyone in the Facebook group that posts these very thoughtful questions and give me the opportunity to really dive in and share some values, share some of the things that I've learned and am learning. And also in the case of that last question to go like, oh shit, these are some things I need to take a look at. So I definitely don't have all of this figured out. And when I started this podcast on June 5th, 2016, which was the premiere episode called Return of the Jedi, where I told my life story up until that point, you might want to go back and check it out if you want to know where all this started. Uh, the idea was to really go on a journey and continue the journey I was on and to share every step of the way with whoever wanted to listen. And if you're still hearing my voice right now, you're one of those people. And for that, I appreciate you. Speaking of appreciation, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We've got super fat. Speaking of a high fat diet, I freaking love this company because they make eating snacks. They make eating snacks great again. I'm going to get a red cap that says that and put super fat on it. Superfat.com. They make these little, um, how do you say it? Like they're kind of like, you know, like those little like, what are they, like juice boxes? Kind of like that, like a little kid juice sippy cup type thing, but it's made with really healthy fats, macadamia nuts, coconut oil, a little stevia. They have some with coffee in them, which are amazing. So these things are rad because they're really portable. And so I keep them in my car. I keep them in my bag. Um, Amazing for travel, like being on an airplane when I want to stay keto, which is a whole other thing, uh, which I do when flying and even when driving, if possible. Um, It's just like the easiest way to eat a filling snack. Cause the deal is, man, if you eat like, I mean, I guess like beef jerky for those of us that eat meat is okay, but it's kind of gnarly to chew on and it's sort of a laborious food to eat. I mean, I'm grateful to have it. I'm, you know, thinking about the people in the world that don't have enough food and I feel like a dick right now, but, um, they're not that convenient. And I don't always, I don't know. I don't always want to sit there and like chew on leather. You know what I'm saying? 
and then you have your protein bars, but honestly, they're mostly full of sugar and like other weird ingredients. So I love these little super fat snacks because they're very portable and they don't have any bullshit that I don't want to eat. So I love you guys at Superfat. Thank you for coming on board with the show. You can go to superfat.com, use the code Luke to save 15%. Speaking of tasty food, uh, we've got Sakara. You can go to sakara.com forward slash Luke where you can get food delivered to your home that is simply divine. Now here's the deal with Sakara. I'm mostly a meat eater, right? Um, I eat some vegetables, but that's really just because I can't make vegetables taste good. <laughs> I like salads and I like some, like, I wouldn't say I like vegan food because that would imply like rancid oils and fake meats. And like, there's, there's really healthy vegan food. There's a lot of vegan food that's total shit. Just like there's a lot of omnivore food that is also total shit. But Saqqara Life happens to be plant-based, but their food is so goddamn delicious. And it totally adheres to all of my rules in terms of, canola oil and all the nasty stuff that you find sometimes in vegetarian or vegan food. Um, their food is just really, really healthy and tasty. And the culinary art that goes into it is insane as well as the freshness. Like when you get meal delivery, sometimes it's less than fresh. And I don't know how Sakara does it, but I swear to God, it's like they made these freaking meals, these salads and whatnot um, at the farm and like someone drove it from the farm to my house. It gets here and it's so fresh, so colorful, just beautiful, really high vibe food. And I've had the founders on the show. Um, again, let me look up the episode because you can listen to their whole story yourself. Stand by, stand by. It's funny. I never look things up when I'm on the, uh, on the show, but I don't know the solo shows. I feel like I can be a little goofier. Okay, here we go. It's called clean and green, the Sakara life. And uh, that's episode 206. So if you want to learn all about that, you can get a deep dive there or just go to sakara.com forward slash Luke. Check this out though. If you enter the code Luke, you'll save 20% off your entire order, which is a really good discount. Uh, I like ordering meals in because I'm much more likely to avoid eating weird snacks. And also for me, if I'm up here in Laurel Canyon by myself and I don't get food delivery, it reminds me, actually, I need to order some Sakara food. Um, I'll just starve <laughs> or I'll just eat my whole, I'll eat my whole stash of my little super fats. Like I did that yesterday. I think I had three of those and that was my dinner. It's pathetic. I know. I need a woman in my life. All right. What can I say? Don't blame me. And that's not sexist. That's, that's the truth. <laughs> the only time I've ever eaten, eaten, I've eaten, the only time I've ever eaten like a normal person really is when there's been a lovely lady room that likes to eat. Uh, because we'll buy food or they'll make it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not implying you should be barefoot and pregnant in my kitchen, slaving over the stove, feeding me. Although if anyone wants to apply for that position, I would be open as well. Just kidding, but not. Lastly, I'd like to thank Juve. Oh man, Juve. I've been with them for a couple years now. Great sponsor. You can go to juve.com forward slash Luke. If you enter the code Luke at checkout, you get a free gift. I don't even know what the free gift is at this point, to be honest, but I'm sure it's awesome. Even if the free gift is not awesome, what is awesome is their red light therapy. They are best in class. They're the shit. I have one right here in my studio. I have one up in my uh, backyard in the cottage known as the Zen Den. I used it today. Mine's in front of a vibration plate. And I stand there and I vibrate and I get that red light on, you know, lift some little 
what do you call them? Little dumbbells, It'll lift a little weights, stretch a little bit. It's just amazing. And um, Juve have these modular units that are really sick too. So you can kind of build them up all around yourself and add to your collection piece by piece um, in the event that you can't afford to buy like the full Mac Daddy unit all at once. So for that reason, they're very cool. And as I said earlier, uh, I like the Juve Go. It's this tiny little handheld rechargeable travel model. And that's really great for um, travel because you can get your red light therapy in on the road. So those are our three sponsors. You can find them all at the websites that I mentioned, or of course, just go directly to lukestory.com forward slash store where I link out to all of these great brands and you can get your discount codes there as well. And with that, I'm going to close this down. I always think these are going to be an hour and then I'm just too thorough. What can I say? I got to give you the real deal, folks. Uh, Thank you for joining me on episode 253. I'll be back on Sunday with a bonus rebroadcast episode on the Den Talks podcast, which is an appearance that I did recently. Then on Tuesday, EMF Solutions, harmonizing your home and travel with Soma Vedic. And I will be back in your ears then. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, it's going to be a wild ride on 2020. I can't wait to share all of the wonderful guests that I have to come with you. 